Hello, and welcome to Amplify, the brand new podcast on contemporary music in Ireland and composers from Ireland from the Contemporary Music Centre. This is a new venture for us, and we hope that you will join us on this journey through the contemporary music landscape in Ireland and further afield. I'm Jonathan Grimes, and I'm joined by my co-host and CMC director, Yvonne Ferguson. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Jonathan. So why are we doing this podcast, Yvonne? Oh, a multi-million dollar question, right? But uh, one that we've thought through quite a bit over the last few years. And uh, we had a pilot podcast a few years back. And I suppose that we as a team have identified that there really is, there's a gap. Um, and we want to, with this podcast, with Amplify, create kind of a shared space along with the contemporary music community where we can explore issues relevant to new music today and along with the community of interest discuss topics of concern to composers, musicians and audiences of course who are key. We'll be covering this diverse and vibrant scene of contemporary music in Ireland through interviews and discussions and different features on events, projects and the variety of work that composers from Ireland are, are up to at the moment. The name, we're very proud of this name, Amplify. Yeah, and it was one of those things, wasn't it really, Jonathan, that was kind of staring us right in the face. We took quite a while to think about the name, but really this is a phrase that we use a lot um, that we and we've used for quite a number of years, that we amplify and that's part of our support uh, here at the Contemporary Music. We amplify what's going on across the scene, both across, you know, across the island and what Irish composers are, are doing internationally as well. That's the aspiration with the podcast, that we amplify issues, concerns, the music itself. Uh, and the people who make that music and who are active in that music. And beyond that, we're not really sure what direction that the podcast will take. So it, no, it's, that's it's, what's exciting about it, really, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's as much of a journey for us as it is for those uh, listening and engaging. So we hope it will be an informative and entertaining one. And we want to hear from you with your thoughts and feedback on the podcast or on any issues we cover. So please do get in touch. We're at CMC Ireland on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us at amplify at cmc.ie. Okay, so on to our first guest of the series. And in thinking this through earlier in the summer, we really wanted to speak to someone who could talk honestly about what some of the issues are for composers living in Ireland today. And it really didn't take long for us, did it, Yvonne, to come up with Amanda Fieri as a suitable candidate? No, she seemed quite the obvious choice, really, Jonathan. And she's been so busy of late with a range of different projects. She's written for a production that took place during the recent Dublin Fringe Festival. She's had a new piece for Symphonic Wind Band in the US. And uh, as we learned a few weeks back, she's also going to be writing an opera for Irish National Opera Studio. So she came in to us for a chat about these projects earlier this month and a lot more besides. Let's hear from composer Amanda Fury. Amanda, hi, how's it going? Hello, thanks for having me. You've had a very busy few weeks, we're recording this in early October, with performances at the Fringe Festival in Dublin in September and also a premiere of a new work in the US. Tell us about these. So, yeah, the Fringe Festival it was part of a play called Nine Weeks, 
Sean Kennedy. Uh, he's an actor, writer, and he's also a tenor. He had a previous play in The Fringe called Boy. He kind of wanted to explore early childhood uh, personal life issues uh, through song in Boy. He sang existing arias. It's his way of expressing emotion and tears, even though he's not doing that on stage. For nine weeks, it explores his relationship uh, with his mother. The nine weeks refers to the period of time he spent in Australia looking after her as she was terminally ill with cancer. But he wanted original arias and original songs. So in the end, I wrote songs and chorus material for the play. Was this your first time writing for theatre or had you done work before? I'd done electronic, electroacoustic material for a play when I was in Trinity with another undergraduate who was studying directing. That was purely kind of soundscape. Um, I wasn't as involved in rehearsals in that play at all. I mean, I was I was there at nine weeks rehearsals all the time. So I was much more involved and much more in it this time. And it was brilliant because composing is really lonely <laughs> a lot of the time. And being in rehearsal and, and just getting pointers and criticism from the director, the choreographer, the other chorus members, Sean himself and how things were tweaked. It was ha really hard work. Uh, rehearsals after work in the evening until really late at night. Yeah, I'd love to do more theatre work now after having explored that world a bit more. So it's whetted your appetite. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And the piece in the States, that was for wind band, was it? Yeah, symphony band. They're called uh, the Ball State Symphony Band. Marching band, uh, I guess, culture or that world is so huge in the US because it's tied in with the university's um, sports and athletics funding there's a lot of funding there for it because they play at a lot of the the games throughout the year but then they also play um their own uh, concerts during term time and a lot of that is contemporary music i guess the conductor caroline hand i work with at the university she's been kind of pushing for the kind of gender balance to be addressed because it, it has been a very male composer dominated world. So sometimes a lot of conductors end up writing pieces for band. So she commissioned myself and another composer, Molly Joyce, to write for the symphony band. So the piece was called Heartworm. It was premiered there two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. So how much of your own experience as a clarinet player did you draw on when writing that piece? None. <laughs> None. I thought it would help. And uh, Molly Joyce, the other composer, she played in, in band when she was younger as well. We were the same age and we just came to it both completely clueless. It's, it's just it's a very difficult instrumental force forces to write for just in terms of practical things and balance and stuff like that very different to symphony orchestra very very different um but now that i'm kind of over the hill again it's another thing i'd kind of like to write for more as well yeah there was a good few uh wind band pieces composed by irish composers over mm. you know a period not so much anymore i think it was all to do with the irish youth wind ensemble which you know would oh, have commissioned yeah. a number of pieces yeah. in the past and it is quite an effective medium when done right but then such a wall of sound yeah these were students i worked with so music majors so they have lectures music lectures but they're the band rehearsals so there's loads of rehearsal time 
I guess in comparison to maybe a symphony orchestra rehearsal where there's a little less time you get to write for similar forces similar volumes and walls of sound so it's kind of ironic isn't it really I mean you're working with very accomplished but yet amateur musicians yeah. but mm-hmm. you're getting so much more rehearsal time than you do with professional musicians yeah so the result is really really good quality and they're they're really in it you know they're involved and they want to make it work I'm interested in your a commission from Irish National Opera as well, mm-hmm. Amanda, that's just been announced. And I suppose mm-hmm. it, it kind of seems to have followed on organically from this huge engagement with text that you've just had with the mm-hmm. with the theatre piece. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, your your exploration of text as well in the Choral Sketches project a few years yeah. ago, which was a, a CMC professional sure. development project with, mm-hmm. with Chamber Choir Ireland. Um, so tell us how the, the Irish National Opera uh, Commission has come about. Irish National Opera had their inaugural um, studio last year that was um, the 2018-2019 studio um, and as part of it they um, they take on a selection of artists so um, singers uh, a director um, a composer librettists so all these kind of collaborative art forms coming together to work on opera projects so they've done the same thing this year so there's a collection of singers involved there's um a director involved, a conductor as well, and I'm the studio composer um, this year. But I've been thinking either about a music theatre or opera project for a number of years, but I've always been afraid to approach people about it or it, it just seemed like such a big mammoth project that I wasn't sure. I spoke about this with members of Irish National Opera, like I don't have any relationships with a librettist. Mm-hmm. So I don't cool. have that w- some working artistic relationships yet. Um, so I just thought the studio that particularly with the librettist relationship, that would be the place to kind of make those connections as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't so mean to, to in a networking way, um, but I mean in a creative way, in a, a really creative, creative way, collaborative way. Yeah. Any kind of text I've set, I've either written it myself or, you know, with the Fringe Festival, I worked with Sean and he set that text or it's existing stories or poetry. There's writers I definitely ad- admire, but librettists, I haven't mm-hmm. just haven't been part of that world, I suppose. So, so has so has the librettist been chosen as well? And have you met yet for a No, I've coffee? been thinking I've been thinking about one writer. I just it would be my dream to work with her. Uh, she's a young writer. It's all it's all still at the very beginning stages mm-hmm. for for the the opera project. Just kind of loose ideas are sort of being formed. I'm assuming though it's not going to be kind of going down the very traditional opera route. I mean, you've referred there to a kind mm. of a musical th- music theater project, stroke mm. opera project. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of really interested. I've been going to. I mean, I've gone to a lot of theater over the years, but I've been going to a lot more now that opera is on my mind. Um, and yeah, I guess I I don't have any sort of 18th, 19th century notions of it at all. Um, I'm definitely thinking experimental in terms of settings, but also venue as well. So uh, I've been thinking of places in Dublin that would be interesting for a venue. I went to uh, Evangelia Regaki, the, the This Hostel Life. Um, in Christchurch crypt Mm. and that blew me away to be honest Um, just in her treatment of the music it was so economical 
but everything bled into each other and then the venue as well and just the idea that was set up as an installation and it wasn't you know take my ticket and sit down for two hours Mm -hmm. people were free to come and go and um stay in one corner or move over you know they were just kind of being led and following their ear so it was really inspiring to be part of the audience for that the other evening as well i think we could do with a lot more experimental opera couldn't we in dublin in ireland in general yeah yeah and the use of other venues yes just it really mm-hmm. broadens the audience, I think. I went to Stephen McNeff's Banished, which was yes. in Kilmainham That Jail. was, yeah, I was there too. And yeah, um, yeah it was freezing, of course, because it was in the winter. And um, yeah, it was all blankets were supplied. And mm-hmm. you know, the fact that it would be freezing was well flagged up in advance um, yeah. on all the publicity. But a wonderful experience kind of immersive experience but audiences uh, and I had a young person with me who really really yeah. got a lot from um, yeah. that lots of young people at this hostel life uh, on Saturday night the night I went um, which is amazing yeah. because honestly um, I guess at a lot of new music concerts it's it's an older generation that I see in attendance um, and that was really exciting um, and I mean the thing I guess the thing with Stephen McNeff Spanished and the venue and um, our fleecy blankets and everything like that. Like audiences are, you know, they're drawn. They won't go. Oh, it's going to be too cold. I won't go. They're excited about alternative, different kind approaches of approaches yeah. and experiences. Yeah, and then kind of word of mouth builds as well. Um, in my brief time in living in New York, um, the the kind of art shows and new music shows that were probably the least advertised but the most word of mouth around them were the ones that had the queues outside because yeah. it's curious people are curious and the recommendation as you say from word of mouth and yeah it's yeah. great now isn't it that there is this whole area of activity for for new music mm-hmm. as in opera and and mm. that 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 has been created in the last i guess maybe five, six years. If mm-hmm. you think about the, the number of operas that were around, let's say, 10 years ago, there was very few, little mm-hmm. if any. Mm-hmm. And now we have all of these th- things that are happening. It's, it's, a, it's actually hard to keep up with what's, what's, what's happening yeah. just in, in, the, in the field of opera alone. I think it's and really positive. It's kind of really closely aligned now with, with um, I mean, it's always been aligned with theatre, but the fact that theatre festivals are staging so Donica Dennehy's second violinist was part of that was part of the Galway Arts Festival his latest work The Hunger you know that was part of a theatre kind of initiative and project as well so it's not um it's not just the new music or music world it's kind of these relationships are being formed and that's definitely really exciting
One of the things that we hope to do in this podcast is examine or talk about issues, you know, topics of importance for new music and for composers in, in Ireland. What would you say, from your perspective, are the main issues facing composers in Ireland today? Um, uh, I don't want to be really Dublin-centric about things either because there's amazing composers active all over Ireland. There, there are a lot of composers working and active and studying in Dublin, you know, right now. And I guess rent is... Um, is is an issue and the i guess with a lot of composers i've been talking about this issue it's like the sort of do i stay or go not like leave the country but do i leave the city where there's a lot of opportunities um there's a lot of live new music that's still very active here and it's just that decision um between staying here to work or leaving to to move somewhere where they have more time for their craft i'm working three jobs um i could probably work one less job if the rent wasn't so um astronomical in, in dublin at the moment um therefore that would give me more time to write um and it's just it's this constant hustle i, I just feel like i'm hustling all the time i'm planning and and scheduling and making sure I have enough time to write over midterm break and Christmas holidays and I really admire composers who um are trying to make it work full-time and commit to that and and dedicate themselves it doesn't mean the composers who are working and and um want the (laughs) security it doesn't mean they're less dedicated to their craft it just we, we all have different strategies and kind of different ways to uh, kind of play the game and the hustle and make it work. But I know that's that's a, a question with a lot of composers at the moment who who want to commit to these larger projects. Um, but they're really they're really struggling with taking on paid work. Um, maybe they're stuck uh, with funding or they're not sure when the next funding opportunity is coming in so it's this question it's like do I stay or do I move you know and be possibly isolated from the music community a little bit but then you'd have this freedom and maybe financial security and safety as well would you say it's it's actually possible to make a living as a full-time composer in Ireland Uh, I'm originally from Offaly if I moved back um home even if I was renting somewhere at home or living with my parents so the rent would be down for sure or the kind of living costs would be a lot lower than they would be staying here I'd be anxious about the the periods of time where I know they'll be it'll just be not very secure financially and I kind of like having some sort of certainty um but I, I do think it wouldn't be sustainable, even if you got, say, funding from the Arts Council for the year, what happens the following year, you know? Um, it can, when it rains, it pours with commissions sometimes. And then what do you do in a year or two's time when that isn't the case? It's composers' attitudes around um, 
how they feel about that stability and, and security. But I think, you know, if you're to think salary wise, it, you know, it would be quite low from from year to year, I think, depending on a lot of factors, funding and commissioning. D- yeah. This move that you're talking about, you know, possibly outside of Dublin for, for some composers for, for economic reasons and mm. the kind of isolation that, that could occur. But yeah. I think it's also perhaps maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, the, an- the anxiety is around perhaps this kind of, um, well, I'm out of sight and I'm out of mind. So, you know, there is a community yes. of contemporary mm-hmm. music, be it be it small, but very, very active and vibrant mm-hmm. um, in Ireland, but yeah, very active in Dublin because a third of the population live yeah, in the city. It, so it therefore, is, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know if the, if, the, if it's the direct equivalent that a third of the population of composers live in the city. But, mm. you know, it's, it's active, it's vibrant. You're meeting each other. You're mm-hmm. meeting performers. You're meeting potential commissioners. You're mm-hmm. attending concerts. Does that come into it as well? You know, you're thinking, OK, I moved to Offaly. I'm not seen at concerts. Mm-hmm. I'm not bumping into other people who Mm -hmm. you know want to maybe talk about collaborative projects or collaborative Mm. funding applications even um you know is that is that a i think i think it's not a huge factor that i saw the fear of missing out um fomo fomo yeah the fomo i mean it's there but it's um you know like my i have a little community of uh composer friends who are like good close friends but none of them live in ireland Mm-hmm. Or if they if they are here, they're rarely here. <laughs> they're they're traveling or they're moving around. Um, um, so it's possible it's possible to kind of talk about these anxieties and 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 talk about different projects or maybe recommend in your community people for different projects if you can't take something on. Um, I think I mean I know a lot of composers like you know say based in Cork and Kerry and. Um, they're engaging a lot with communities down there as well, which is brilliant. And I think they're also making it work in terms of if they, if they do want to um, engage with um, uh, potential musicians or other composers or people, other artists that they want to work with, they'll they'll make the effort to set up meetings. You know, that's all still yeah. possible. Um, but, and I guess... There, so a festival like New Music Dublin, I think a lot of composers who live outside of Dublin make the effort to come up and come to a couple of concerts. That like I noticed that at the last New Music Dublin, people I hadn't seen in ages <laughs> uh, were hanging around and, and attending a lot of the concerts. Um, so I think the FOMO probably would be there, but not in in so much a way that they they feel compelled to house hunt Uh or apartment hunt in Dublin because there's so much connectivity now um, that you're never, you're never going to be like fully, fully left out of the the situation. I would say it's kind of lonely at times, um, but it's probably not just for your craft or your art either. You're probably missing out on lots of different things as well, like Mm -hmm. um, friendships and relationships and things like that. So... Yeah. There is a a very serious problem in Dublin that if people can't afford to live here mm-hmm. of a certain, you know, background and um socio socioeconomic background, i.e. composers, musicians. Yeah. If they can't afford to live here, then they're going to have to live somewhere else. 
we're being driven out of, of Dublin, not just composers, but like artists are being driven out. So it's a case of what's left. Yeah. Um, and and this is the question that has come up with composers and people I'll be talking to in the community. Um, we were very aware that we're, we're all being driven out. Um, and then it's that it's that question of do you kind of stay and fight in, in terms of in terms of, um, you know, rattling cages or attending protests. And but it's like you, you need a momentum. You need a collective to do that as well. I sometimes feel that way with my friends that are not artists and that are solicitors and, and have very stable um, uh, employment situations. And sometimes I feel like I'm talking to the wall because they don't see it. They don't see that we're been driven out because they're they're kind of there are comfortable bubbles going on as well. You've got one street where people have bought the house and then other people are living next door and just about making rent and, and maybe they're maybe they're musicians, maybe they're artists. Um so you've got just blocks of completely different um economic situations of people um kind of living up against each other um and you've got some demographics that are are blind to what's happening and then the artists are are there struggling it's really serious um uh i think at the moment and i'm and i'm feeling that like culture in general um in dublin it's it's kind of becoming i feel like it's becoming more of a city for the visitors than the people who live here hearing you talk about the the issues and 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 the problems of of actually you know making a living and the i guess the the sort of inequality in terms of if you're an artist living in the city versus somebody in more stable yeah. employment mm-hmm. and how there seems to be this this uh push to make dublin a city for tourists mm-hmm. where you have these bland hotels you've no little or no cultural spaces mm. um there is nothing there's nothing fringe about dublin mm. you know or there's or there's less and less that's about less the fringe. Kind of neighborhood feels as well you know? yeah, mm, yeah yeah and then i guess there's the the less community neighborhood feel like i was saying is that on you know on one street you can have someone well able to afford to live here working with maybe a good company and then you've a struggling guitarist or something living next door and that's not going to create any sense of community if there's like drastic ranges in 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 struggle and non-struggle like financially and economically um you know the the city we're losing a lot of cultural spaces a lot of fringe spaces that um like during my 20s I, I would have attended concerts or bring your own beer kind of places that a lot of us have been either really active in or active in kind of attending and I feel like a few years ago is when I started to get really anxious because they started to go and sort of drop like flies and be, were replaced with either cafes or um apartments or hotels and now it feels like it's kind of escalated to a point where we now have a government that are well on board with um 
kind of setting up the setting up the city for just hordes and hordes of tourists to come in. I mean, what are they going to do with themselves if they're if a lot of our cultural spaces are being lost? I mean, that's when you visit a city, you you do want to see the fringe culture as well. Yeah, you want to go to the museums or whatever, get a storehouse. Yeah, I mean, you can spend a few hours there. But then if you're here for a few days and you're like, okay, well, I'd like to see some live music or I'd like to see a play that, you know, isn't in the gate or, the ga- or you know, just something more experimental. And I feel like, yeah, there's plenty of places for these tourists to sleep. Um, but that's only addressing one part of the whole experience of, of visiting somewhere new. This is part of the bigger issue, really, isn't it? In yeah. terms of the value we as a society, Irish mm-hmm. society, the value that we're placing on culture, the arts, mm-hmm. uh, people who are engaged in making, creating art yeah. and our lack of support for them. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, I think it's it's very much down to the current government and how they see kind of everything as a business and for profit making and you know, even if there isn't like a sort of arts endeavor, it's kind of there's always some element of it of like maybe um, bringing more companies into Ireland that associate with film or music. And that's not really looking at the artists that are here. It just seems like that's sort of a, a business model, like get the investment in. But then the the arts funding doesn't change. <laughs> you know, it's still the same, the mm. same amount or less in a year. You know, so it's not very sustainable. Uh, your your particular generation of composers is it's it's you know you're you're quite you're quite unique as indeed every generation art could be uh, could be described but particularly so for yourself because i i remember you as a a young composer you emerged during the recession Mm -hmm. you know you you were out you 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 left college undergraduate in in, you know that that time the early 2010s or possibly before that but Mm. so you've experienced that time where things were really bad in Dublin where everything mm. was cut but then with that there were some opportunities as you were saying mm-hmm. some of these venues where you bring your own beer there was more experimental yeah. mm-hmm. you know stuff happening on the fringes and mm. you described those dropping off over the last number yeah. of years I think it was 2010 2011 where um definitely in my friend group but also in kind of composer group of friends there was this sort of unspoken um, I guess it was more of a vibe about what, what, what are we doing? <laughs> it's also, it was an age thing as well. We were kind of like mid to late 20s where there f- there's feels like there's a change, like that, you know, that's a generational thing as well. It's not just like an artist thing. Um, but from moving away and coming back, I always kind of ran to people and say, before I moved away, my rent was 350 euros a month. <laughs> and then I came back here and it was, 700 and something euros a month and um I still haven't come to terms <laughs> with that but between the time I was away and you know I was um, I was back and forth um but I'd come back and so much would have changed within six months and then I'd leave again and come back again and there'd be um less of the kind of local feel that 
I remember even when you know even when that was you know 2009 8 to 2010 where it was really bad in Dublin um artists were still making it work you know um in terms of putting projects on because no one was kind of interfering or taking over their spaces their spaces were still there they were probably not great or derelict enough uh, but they were still there and they were open to them um you know musician studios that there was still they could pay some rent and rehearse and compose and work outside of their house or their flat that was all still available during the recession no one was making any money but they were they definitely were for sure still making art and now we have you know money pumping into the country via the service industry and the hospitality industry and tourism and everything um but those spaces now have been taken away um and then there's the artists that have been driven away so it feels it's you know the country's doing well I suppose but it's it's an artistic recession now um and then we'll still be the ones that have to emigrate again even though economically Ireland is doing okay at the moment so it's just kind of this under the surface situation happening that's a very profound um term that I've never heard before artistic recession that sort of feels like because like I said, you'd be talking to friends in other fields and they just don't see it because they're doing well and um, they're saving up for houses or they've just bought houses. So in their heads, it's like, I'm done. I have a place to live now for life or for when they sell it and move on again or whatever they want to do. But they don't... Um, it's yet to kind of hit a, l- a lot of people in other fields that I know that, that culturally... Um, it's not even stagnant it's just in decline I feel with you know the time that you spent in the states Amanda mm. and your time in Princeton and the kind of over and back mm-hmm. and what's the environment like there in terms of economically or su- you know supportive of of the mm. creative artist 
I mean, I appreciate you were in a, a university environment, but yeah, which yeah, um, which is its own little bubble in itself, I suppose. Um, uh, in terms of support, um, I mean, I can and talk. I can talk about the university environment, but financially, that was very well supported. And I guess for the four years I was there, I kind of thought of that funding as a salary. And that was allowing me to work full time on composing. Um, I had my academic work and everything like that, but I very much saw it as okay, four years. Um, and I suppose I probably put a little bit of pressure on myself thinking about it as this, um, you know, finite kind of timeline. Um, but in terms of you know, because I'm still back and forth a lot, in, and and Ireland is my base, but then I do have kind of. Uh, like work that I'm active in the US still with different musicians and ensembles and yeah they really struggle as well there's a there's a couple of funding opportunities um ensembles that I work with um rely heavily on uh donors and giving these giving months or giving days that they have just weight of admin on keeping donors um happy and was there but, a cultural reason specifically why you kind of gravitated back to Ireland as your base? I suppose I'm curious about that. Was mm. that kind of uh, that you felt more aesthetically aligned with what was happening here or? Yeah, I've been thinking about this because some of your colleagues or composer friends, I suppose, that, yeah, that also went from here at the time have mm-hmm. remained. Yeah, and they're still there. And I think maybe they feel um aesthetically they're more aligned i i i've never felt kind of um not at home or that's not the word but um i think my projects and pieces change so much that i don't think i don't know where i align really um um i mean i was definitely supported in the u.s and um ensembles are really enthusiastic um and very supportive of any other projects, even if it's not something you're working with them. I suppose in terms of composition being part of my life and my craft, it is a part of it, but it, it it's not 100% take over my life. I don't want to talk about this in a careerist way. Um, it's, it's very much like when I have to write, I have to write. Um, and when I'm involved in a project, I'm I'm completely in it to the detriment of maybe like losing contact for a few weeks with friends and family like that that completely happens but that's not an everyday thing with me and composition there are more opportunities in the US but it wasn't enough for me to stay Mm -hmm. and then also politically and a lot of other reasons Mm -hmm. I I really didn't want to stay in the US I never felt at home there I never felt connected to any place there I mean really wonderful people I have great friends that are based there but I knew that I didn't want to settle there Mm -hmm. I knew that composition is not so much part of my whole being that I would stay in a place that I wasn't happy with just for the sake of more opportunities Mm -hmm. so um I knew that I was always always going to come back to Europe anyway but here I am in Ireland at the moment as a base I know I've spent most of this time talking about economic issues in in Dublin. Friends and family are still a huge part of my life as well. I'd never sacrifice any of those things just because I can get more commissions or um, 
kind of be physically present at concerts in other countries just so I can meet potential, you know, partners for different projects. It's never been the primary motivation for me. So that's why I moved back. So there you have it, our first guest of the series. And you can find out more about Amanda's works on CMC's website and also listen to a selection of her works on her SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com forward slash Amanda Fury. As we said earlier, she's been very busy recently and uh, her piece Vultures features on the Crashlands album, that recent release from Crash Ensemble. I highly recommend that uh, you take a listen to that, not least because it also includes music by a whole range of Irish composers and international composers, work especially written for for Crash Ensemble for their 20th anniversary in 2008. Interesting thoughts from Amanda in the interview, Jonathan. Yeah, her interview was very, very honest and very open uh, and talking about, I suppose, something that we don't often cover and that is the actual, you know, the the, the business of being a composer and, and how you actually make, you know, make ends meet. And I think that is a, a fairly, fairly big, a big issue for a lot of a lot of people and indeed has been an issue for some time. So it's, it's great to hear her talk so honestly and openly about it. Yeah. And how life and art really collide in all our lives. But of course, most especially in the life of artists where they do need that headspace to create and develop their practice and push their music forward. And they can't always get to that point that they want to get to in their practice unless all those economic concerns are kind of taken care of. And it's a huge worry and a huge uncertainty for many composers at the moment. I think Amanda is, a, is an, an interesting composer in that respect, in that, you know, her generation, she emerged as a young composer during the recession, right in the middle of it. And then she went away to Princeton in, in the States and, and, and did her, her PhD there and, and came back to Ireland, uh, you know, as things were improving and now we're at this point where there are you know increasing pressures for for composers like Amanda and younger and older as well living in Dublin it's significant that we start with this kind of issue because this is I'm sure something that we're going to come back to in the coming episodes of the of the series as yeah, we talk to more and more composers. Yeah, she's kind of helped us set out our stall really for the for Amplify Jonathan, hasn't she? Because, you know, we 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 do want to encourage composers and those active in the contemporary music scene and those of us who are passionate about contemporary music and about the development of the art form. We want to encourage discussion and real honest discussion of the concerns. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us and for staying with us on this first episode of Amplify. We really welcome and encourage feedback and comments. So message us at CMC Ireland on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. And of course, you can also email us at amplify at cmc.ie. Thanks to Amanda. We're really grateful for her taking the time to come in and talk to us. And to Keith Fennell, who's sitting here beside us on production. 
We'll be back in about two weeks with another episode. And until then, you can discover more on Composers from Ireland at cmc.ie. Bye for now.